I, I was thinking about this camp and all that God did, and I, and I thought, maybe we should put some faith cards in the back of the uh, church where you come in each morning and you write down on a Sunday morning, I'm believing God for this. Come on, sometimes it's really good to really set targets and believe God and really be, and uh, um, make your requests known. Amen? Make your requests known. And the Bible says we have not because we... Right, so it's important. I don't know who slipped in. My wife was able to slip in the sleeping pictures. I can't... Don't quite have the stamina I did when we started youth ministry years ago. Um, but man, thank God for a new group who does. Praise God. And uh, for just their, their, their faithfulness. And again, thank you, church, for support, prayer, financially. Isn't it cool? Like they came into jobs at people's houses to earn money for camp and just connecting. And I just so appreciate you guys' willingness to participate in that. Um, all right, without further ado, I want to get, uh, I, I believe the Lord just wants to speak to us this morning, turning back to James chapter 1, if you would, with me this morning. I want to take up for where we left off last week. How many were here last week? All right. And uh, I believe God's, I don't know how long we'll be staying here, but God's been speaking to me, and I believe for us as a church, these are crazy times we're living in. You know that church? These are crazy times we're living in, and, and, it's time, and, and I believe God has answers for us, and he wants us to be strengthened in the midst of it and, and, and really know and believe that he's with us in the testing. He's with us, and he's given us what we need to overcome the temptations. When we are tempted to believe or question God's goodness, we're tempted to be, question whether or not... Whether or not um, it, it, it's, you know, or blame, shift blame, as I shared last week, for temptations in our life. James gives us clear answers because as you're in the middle of the test, as you're being squeezed, that's when temptation comes. Temptation to give up, temptation to give in, temptation to just um, throw in the towel. But I believe God has given us the, the keys to walk through that and, and grow in the midst of it. How many know God is using everything, working everything together for good because you are called according to his purpose and you love him? Is that you, this church, church this morning? Am I talking to the right crowd? Called according to his purpose and, and you love him. And so as he's working in the midst of things and we get right perspective on trials, tribulations, testings, and temptations, Right? Then we can stand because there will be, these are going to increase. That's one guarantee. But this morning, I want to speak to something that another place of deception, and that's the deception that comes from us. I know none of you are self-deceived, but you can find someone else who is, right? Turn to somebody and say, you need to hear this this morning. Right? <laughs> um. The reality is we have an unlimited capacity to deceive ourselves. And in Scripture, in the New Testament, you see multiple times, don't be deceived in various, various uh, areas of deception. Like he says in Galatians, don't be deceived. God will not be mocked. Whatever you sow, you will, have, you will reap, right? Um, we deceive ourselves in so many ways. And, and so this morning, I believe God wants to take the mask off, let us see who we really are, 
no longer live from that place of false self, but live from that place of who he says we are. Amen, church? And sometimes we have to realize, ooh, I'm not quite who I've thought I've been, but thank God that he's making me who I need to be. He's not done with me. And um, so this self-deception thing is real. Let's read in uh, James chapter 1, 19 through 25. Holy Spirit, we just pray, Holy Spirit, you'd, at, you'd come and open the eyes of our heart this morning. That you'd speak afresh to us, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you come to convict of sin, righteousness, and judgment, but you do it through your love. Father, thank you. And we thank you that we, were, we are changed from glory to glory, Lord, as we behold your word this morning. In Jesus' name. And it says, I'm going to start in verse 19. It says, this you know, my brethren. So he's, he's referring to what's come before this, right? He said, you were, by the, in the exercise of his will, God brought you forth. You were born again by the word of truth. How many are thankful for that? So your life begins in truth. Truth is in Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And he's saying that's where our life springs from. So we need to walk in truth. That's a process to get from that born-again experience to really walking this thing out. Because God is at, at, at work inside of you to will and to do according to his good pleasure. So he's saying knowing that God's good, knowing that you've been born of the word of truth. You've been brought forth by the word of truth. Now listen to this. But everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Therefore, putting aside, somebody say putting aside, all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness in humility receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. Verse 22 says, but prove yourself doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. All right? For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently, somebody say intently, at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer. This man will be blessed in what he does. See, God's bringing us from a place of delusional religion to pure religion. Delusional religion is, is he says, if we are hearers but not doers, we can delude ourselves. We, we think that we understand or we think that we know things that we really haven't really been worked out in us yet. But he gives us the process. Some, we don't like the, always like the process. We want to get to the product. Come on. We like to jump to the end, and we just want to get that over with. But the process is, is, is what it is because God is at work in a, process, in, in a way that he needs to work in us. And he's bringing us to a place of hearing and doing. He's not saying, no, don't be a hearer, because he says be quick to hear. But he's warning us of the danger. If we only hear, we aren't, aren't responding to and diligently applying the word of truth to our lives, we can delude ourselves. And deluded means entertaining a false belief or an opinion. I know none of you have had that happen. Mistaken or deceived in mind or judgment. 
Here's the reality. We don't like to be wrong. I know it's getting quiet in here, you guys. The first, deception, the first self-deception we have is the belief that we can't be deceived. That's one. We're deluding ourselves to believe we can't be deceived. He says don't be deceived multiple times in Scripture because it is very possible. And so we need to be awake, alert, and aware of this potential in us. And I'm not promoting this movie, but some of you have heard this quote from A Few Good Men where they, the, Jack Nicholson's on the, on the, on the um, chair and he's being questioned by the prosecutor, right, on the witness stand. And he, he presses and presses and presses. He says, you can't handle the truth. But sometimes we live like that. We can't handle the truth. Sometimes that, that truth gets to who we really are and we're like, ooh. But see, with that truth, there's love. Come on. There's love in it, and he's speaking the truth of who we are, but he's speaking it in love, and he's speaking it with the, with the power that's released through his word for us to become who he wants us to be. You can't handle the truth, but tomorrow, this morning we're going to embrace the truth. Amen? It's easy to spot self-deception in others, but difficult to recognize in us. I'm going to say this. Denial is not a river in Egypt, somebody. <laughs> Self-deception is what fuels our addictions. It's what fuels our hypocrisy. We, we've caused ourselves to believe something about ourselves that, that is not true. And, and in this context, they were those who like to hear, they would hear things and then they would debate about things, right? In that Jewish culture and those believers... And he's saying, hey, slow down, hear more, debate less, speak less. Slow down, calm down, and listen up, is what he's saying. But we get to a place where we say, I've got this figured out, I know better, I can do this, and it's no big deal. Anyone had that conversation, that narrative in your head? At least I am better than fill in the blank, so-and-so. We compare ourselves and we, 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 we try to measure ourselves by others or by some other standard other than his word. And that's when we need to turn to the mirror. Going to church, listen at uh, Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. He says, not everyone, this is Jesus speaking in the Sermon on the Mount, says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But look at the qualification. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Simple. Simple. But listen, when you look at verse 22, you see it's possible to think you're doing his will, but be outside of relationship. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you depart from me you who practice lawlessness. That's scary, church. Yeah. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than you being in the garage makes you a car. Listening to a sermon doesn't mean you've got it figured out. I hope this blesses you this morning. 
But your diligence is to take it home and meditate on it and pray over it and make it your own and let God process it in you. Don't just take my word for it, but let God work it in you. Not even functioning in the gifts mean I'm in a good place. How many times have we seen powerful people in the body of Christ who are deep in sin and things? I know it's good. It's a heavy, but bear with me. It'll get good. Come on. All right? You know, I could get up here and I could say, you guys could walk up to me and say, hey, that was a good sermon, Pastor. Thank you. And I could go, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, thanks. But I mean, no, that's not what God's measuring. God's measuring, did you do what I asked you to do and did you speak what I asked you to speak? Jesus' first sermon, Luke chapter 4, he preaches, and then they chase him out to a cliff to throw him off. How many know what God wants to say is not always what we want to hear, and how he measures our obedience is different than we do. So this morning may be one of those sermons where you want to throw me off a cliff. But I love you people, all right? Let's keep going. So James here and says, gives us the process of pure religion, living out the word of truth. And it's three, four things I want to share with you today. Being attentive to his word, being receptive to his word, being responsive to his word and being reflective in his word. Reflective in his word. And so when we start with being attentive, he says quick, number one, being attentive to his word. He says quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason. Now listen, you've all, I know you're not this, but you've met those people. And no, no one's here. I know this is none of you in here, but you've met those people who just talk, 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 and you can't get a word in. Living on me planet. How many? We've been there, if we're honest. <laughs> Quick to hear, slow to speak. That's the opposite of our instinct. And let me tell you, if I was to take, you, you've seen these disc profiles, personality profiles, and, and, and they have the upper quadrant, I think means that you're a teller versus an asker. Am I getting this right? And uh, that I'm way, way, way up on the teller. That's, that's just who God made me. So this, this passage is hitting home this morning. I'm just telling you that. Telling you that, all right? So I'm, th- this is real. It's a struggle for me. Some of you are better at hearing than, uh, than some of us tellers, okay? But when we listen, then God can speak. And listen, sometimes we think God can only speak through a sermon or through prayer or through reading the Bible, but God wants to speak to you based on what's going on on the inside of you. Because he couples this with be slow to anger, right? These, these, These intense emotions that rise up in us. There's opportunity in those for God to speak to us. And sometimes we think being spiritual is avoiding reality, but it's the opposite. Being spiritual is to embrace reality. And he's referring here, you know, some, you've had, um, you know, really listening. 
means you're learning how to be. And when I say that, I mean be present. This is a place of maturity. I haven't arrived, but I hope I've left the station. I'm working on it. God's working on me. But being present with the Lord, being present with the people you're with, and being present with yourself, how am I doing in this moment? How am I responding in this moment? What's going on in the inside of me, Lord? What do you want in this moment? You see, people who are like that, you know when you've met somebody like that because you feel the gift of them hearing you. They really hear you. They don't just hear the sounds coming out. They're not busy working on their response while you're talking, but they really hear you. And they recognize that you are made in the image of God and that, that God could speak through you to them. So he says, quick to hear, being attentive to his word. We need to be listening two times as much as we're speaking. Ephesians 4.20, look at this, verses 20 through 23 says, But you did not learn Christ in, in this way, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of what? Deceit. It's being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. See, that's that deceit. That's where that comes from. That old self that we're still having to lay aside. Multiple times in Scripture, we are encouraged, we are exhorted to lay aside that old self and put on the new self. How many know God's given you a new suit on the inside? A new self created in Him in righteousness and holiness. Amen? You're saying, Pastor, this is hard. No, no, no. He's already put it in you. It's just we got to get out the mirror and realize what's in us. Still with me? All right. We need to recognize that our old self is deceived, but in the new self there's truth. Jesus speaking on what we hear and how we hear. In Mark 4.23 says, If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And And he was saying to them, Take care what you listen to. By your standard of measure, it will be measured to you, and more will be given you besides. Right, guys on the Mark, we've been reading through Mark, right? Mark chapter 4, we've got got this, right? He said, take care what you hear. He's talking about the parables, and he's, he's teaching the disciples. And he's saying, take care what you hear, because if you really hear it, then there's more where that came from. There's more where that came from. You still hearing me? All right. For whoever has, to him more shall be given, and whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken away from him. And I believe that's that capacity in us when we don't hear. When we don't hear with the ears of faith, and we, we, we hear it with mixture of faith in us. Right? That's what it says about the Hebrew, the, in Hebrews chapter 4. It says, they heard it, those are the children of, in the, in, of Israel in the wilderness, but they didn't hear it with faith. So what was their outcome? Right? So there's the hearing of faith. And Luke chapter 8, 8, 
8, verses 18, verse 18 says, so take care how you listen. So in Mark, he says, take care what you listen to. In Luke, he says, take care how you listen. What? Why? Because how we listen determines how we perceive. Now, if we're honest with ourselves, we have filters. Come on. You say something to me, and maybe I've got a hurt that I haven't dealt with. An offense that I haven't dealt with. And so you come to me and you share something and you mean it one way. But because I'm wounded, I hear it another way. How I hear. That's why sometimes we got to go back and go, listen, sometimes I don't hear things right. Is this what you meant? That's what maturity is. We're learning how to relate. Come on. I know, you, I, know you, I know you expect everyone else around you to be perfect. But we're learning how to relate. So what we hear and how we hear are important. Quick to hear. we got to be aware of our filters. This is that, this is that awareness. This is, this is that self-deception that comes in and, 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 and colors how we perceive other people are relating to us. Colors how we perceive how God's wanting to speak to us. Remove the filters, Lord. Let us hear clearly. And then he says, slow to speak. You, you know, in James, there's a whole lot. He talks about the power of this tongue. It's amazing. We'll get into that. But, in fact, the ancient rab- rabbis called it the thrice, as in three tongue. Because it has the power to slay the speaker, to slay the hearer, and three, to slay the person being talked about. That's, you got a loaded weapon in your mouth. <laughs> but it can be used for good, right? Proverbs 18, 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Man, I have the power in me to release life. In a world in darkness and death and destruction, I can release life through my words that I speak. But I also have to be aware that I can release death. When I speak unbelief, when I speak slander, when I speak these things that just causes like a forest fire with one little light. It just sets ablaze the course of nature. When you recognize the power of your tongue and you're very thoughtful on what you'd allow to come out of your mouth. They say this, all right? I think I've said this before, but they say that the average man speaks 10,000 words a day. Wait for it, ladies. And the average woman speaks (laughs) 25,000. Some men are like, hey, we're already listening double. Come on. I don't need to hear this. You do need it. All right, turn to your neighbor and say, hold on, because this part, um, religious opinions. Oh, we got them, don't we? Opinions are like noses. We all have them, but they got holes in them, all right? Yeah, we see, we think we've heard something, and now we're an expert on this topic. Come on. I know I'm not the only Ph.D. in here. Come on. I don't have a Ph.D., really. Um, 
But we think we're an expert, right? And so we can tell others now that we've heard it. Whew. Man, I heard this message the other day. You need to hear that. And I was thinking of you when you listen to this message. I'm like, thanks, man. All right. But uh, see, it was common in that culture for these believers to think fondly of themselves and their knowledge and debate about it. But see, here's, okay, I'm about to bring it home. Christians today, and I'm thankful for this, we have so much material and content available to us. But here's the danger. We can partake of podcasts, of sermons, and Man, there's a thousand, hundreds of thousands of other preachers out there who can preach better than me. Listen, you can go get all this stuff at your, the touch of your thumb on a, on, a, on, a, on a device. You can go get audiobooks. You can go get, what, I mean, you can think any Christian topic you can think of, there's probably a hundred things available on it. Amen? Now, I'm thankful for all that good stuff. But let me explain that something. Because you read or you hear Somebody else's processed stuff doesn't mean you have it yet. There is impartation, but it needs to be worked out in us. We like processed foods as Christians. Right? God says there's a process. First there's the seed, and then comes the blade, and then comes the head, and then there's the mature grain in the head. That's God's process. That takes time. Seed time harvest. <laughs> Process, right? There's a, but see, when we, when we hear what God's done in somebody else, we're eating some of that grain. But what's really amazing is when the faith that's imparted in that is worked out in us and it becomes not theirs but ours. Are you with me? So when we get it straight from the Lord and he works it in our lives, that is precious. I'm not saying, don't don't hear me that you don't need to. No, you partake of those things, but do it with hearing ears, attentive to his word, and let God process it in you. Don't just eat processed food. Organic's good for you. Come on. When we are under pressure and trials in life, we're tempted to lash out with our words and get hung by the tongue. Our words release unbelief. They release bitterness. They can release accusation. How many know you're in that trial, you're in that situation? Like, I know I'm, I probably use the traffic analogy every week. I'll do it again. My wife had to teach me when we had kids. You can't get upset in traffic anymore. Okay, yes, yes. So we learned a song, and it goes like this. And we'd sing it with the kids. It's a green light, hit the pedal on the right. Like, go forward, don't just sit there, right? And so we would sing this song, and she's like, it's got to be good. You know, get, that'll keep your frustration at it low, right? <laughs> Careful what comes out of you. I'm just giving you a few Proverbs. All right, thanks for sticking with me, guys. Uh, Proverbs 10, 19. When there are many words, <laughs> transgression's unavoidable. 
Um, that sounds crude, but some of us, all of us at some time or another have suffered from that diary of the mouth syndrome, okay? I just got to get it home this morning. But he who restrains his lips is wise. Proverbs 13.3 says, the one who guards his mouth preserves his life. Man, that sounds good. The one who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. Just laying it out. Proverbs 17, 28, even a fool when he keeps silent is considered wise. <laughs> that's, that's, that's wisdom right there. You're in your workplace and they're talking about something you don't understand. You're... I'm sorry. Be honest. All right. When he closes his lips, he's considered prudent. And Ephesians 4.25 says, Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. I've got to receive the word of truth, and that's what we're getting to here in a moment, and then I can speak it. Speak from that place of truth, not speak from that place of self-deception. Slow to anger. The wrath of man cannot work the righteousness of God. See, right when you look at this word anger here in the original language, it's different. Um, it's really referring to a negative wrath of man. There's a good anger. How many of those are righteous indignation um, that we can have towards sin, towards those things that destroy people's lives? We can fuel, that can fuel prayer. It can fuel action. It can fuel, fuel somebody doing pure religion to demonstrate God's goodness. But there's a wrath of man which is no good. See, we get worked up in reaction to circumstances, injustice, mistreatment by others, or for these, maybe they got provoked to anger over somebody's wrong opinion. I know that's not you, but... Like, we see what's going on in the world, and we can get our own perspective on what needs to be done and get worked up and God's like, that's not what I want to do. Some of us are like, well, Jesus flipped tables in the temple. All right? I, I think we need to go flip some tables. Let me remind you something. Before he flipped the tables, he wept over the city. See, he was compelled by love. His purpose to flip tables was for access to healing and for the access to the presence of God. And I want to point something out. He went into the city to the temple, his house. Do you know what houses he didn't go to to flip tables? Government. All right. Some of us, I know, I, know, I told you, hold on. Somebody get worked up what's happening in D.C., right? We do that. I've had these moments. We can get worked up and we watch the news and we see all these things happening. And you know what God's concerned with? He's like, how about your house? How about my house? Because as the church goes, so goes the nation. So maybe what's happening out there is a result of a church that needs to get some tables flipped. Um, anger, okay? Here's what. Anger should be like an alarm on our soul. We can't ignore it. We must attend to it and find out why it's there. 
It's the check engine light. Sometimes it's the tip of the iceberg, guys. I'm feeling something. I don't know why I'm feeling this, but Lord, help me. I see that's, the, that's, those, that's those moments when we incorporate in our lives silence and solitude before God. We have an opportunity to really hear not just what he's speaking, but what he's, what's happening in us and how he can speak through that. That at the root of that anger, of that passionate thing that's going on inside of us, there's something, there's some hurt, there's some, there's some deception, or there's something that we've experienced that he needs to heal. But that can't happen unless we're willing to open that up to him. Say, Lord, speak to me in this. So, with that, I'm going to need to move on, because I'm only on number two. Being receptive to his word. Receive the word implanted. And he says, laying aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness. You know, that filthiness he's referring to in us, this sensuality, this covetousness. These, your earlier James speaks to the lust in us, these evil desires for things that God doesn't want, that we want, those things. He says, lay those aside. And he says, what remains of wickedness, and this word implies it's, it's really what results from those passions that we don't address. Wrath, anger, malice, right? Speaking evil of other people. These things, and James really hits that on the head later, that we need to lay those aside. And it's really getting honest with our inner life. We pay attention because some of us are just trying to live life, but inside there's chaos. We're trying to be happy Christians and put on the face and the mask, come on. And then inside there's pain, there's chaos, there's things going on that nobody knows about. And God's like, if you let me in, you can receive my word, I can come in. Because, see, this picture of the heart is like a, a soil, like a garden, like it needs to be weeded, it needs to be cared for, because when the soil's good, then we can receive this implanted word, engrafted into us, and it becomes something. It changes us. It has the power to transform and make us into who God's called us to be. It's a reminder. That word of truth was what we were born from, and now we're, we're becoming the person who's rooted in truth. He is truth. And 1 Peter 1, through 23 says, Since you have an obedience to the truth, purified your soul for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. For you have been born again, not of the seed which is imperishable. Look at the power of this seed. But in, seed which is perishable, but imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. The seed, the power is in the seed. And you've got to create an environment, a soil, a place where that seed has, a, has opportunity to take root in us. Amen? And the prophet Jeremiah in chapter 4, verse 3 says, For thus says the Lord to the men of Judah and to Jerusalem, Break up your fallow ground and do not sow among thorns. See, even, even Jesus giving the parable of the sower, he says there's four types of soil. There's the, the seed that fell on the wayside and it immediately was taken up. The seed that fell amongst in shallow ground and it, and it sprung up quickly, but it but died once the sun came on it. The seed that 
came into good soil, but it was surrounded by weeds and it got choked by weeds. And he explains and he says the one, first one is the hard heart. The second one is the shallow heart. And the third one is the crowded heart. See, we've got so many things, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches that choke the power of God's word in our life. So we've got to do some weeding. How many have some weeds in your garden at home, right? We have make... Yeah, I've got lots. <laughs> this has not been a good uh, landscaping year. Um, but in the garden of our heart, even Hosea echoes this. He says, to break up the fallow, hard ground of our heart. And he says, how do we receive it? He says, with an attitude of humility and gentleness. And that is the polar opposite of the wrath described in the previous verse. This is meekness, and meekness is not weakness. Meekness is a yielded power. It describes that horse that's been well. We were at that camp, and they had horses. It was amazing, and the kids got... They also had an electric fence. Okay, this is a lesson, right? Just a detour here. But first thing they told us, don't go touch the fence. We hadn't been there five minutes. Kids were laying down there. <laughs> Touching the fence. <laughs> so that, that's what happens if you just go after. Yeah, it was a shocking experience, yeah. Thank you, Sam. He has a shirt called Dad Joke Loading. Um, it says on the front. It's awesome. Uh, what was I saying? <laughs> but that's the picture of like, if you just go, don't do that, right? This is why we're under the law of, of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, not of sin and death. But when you just point at sin, don't do that. And just like, I want to do it now. But when you point to Jesus, come on, there's a picture there, right? Yeah, I got off. Meekness is not weakness. It's, it's the submission. See, we're, rec we're receptive to his word. I hope the seed's going in this morning. Holy Spirit implanting in us his word. And, that, you know, see, his word, it says in Hebrews 4.12, is living and active and powerful. I love all three of those, right? It's at work. It's living it's powerful, and it's like a sword, and it comes into our soul, comes into us, and it divides us under the soul and the spirit. Because he says this word has the power, this word of truth has the power to save your souls. What's your soul? It's your mind, will, and emotions, right? How many know your spirit, born from above, sealed in holiness and righteousness, and then there, our soul is being, and they're kind of intertwined there. It's kind of, it's not really... You can't always divide them clearly, but the soul, that place where of our thinking, our emotions, that part's being saved. Yeah. That part's being renewed, all right? We need our minds renewed. And that's what the Word does. It has that power, and it divides asunder, and then it discerns the thoughts and intentions of the heart. We can get really honest with where these things come from when the Word of God comes in. Number three, being responsive to his word. And I'm going to move quickly here. Call to action. You see, not merely hearers, but I'm going to act on this word. I'm going to respond to it. I'm going to obey it. It is 
very simple, but in the simplicity is the blessing. He says, blessed is the man who does this. The blessing, it's not that I'm doing to get from God. How many know he's done it? But in the obedience, there's a joy. How many know when God speaks to you and you do what he asks you to do, or when you take his word and you go, I want this to become real in my life. I don't want to just read it. I want it to read me and I want it to become it. I want to become what is reflected in this scripture. And when you do that and you see this beginning to take place in your life and you see the change and the transformation on the outside that's begun on the inside with the word of truth, then there is a joy unspeakable that comes in the doing. He makes it simple, practical, because that's what faith is. Number four, being reflective. How many know a mirror is a teller of truth? We don't always like what the mirror tells us. We look in the mirror, we find out some things about ourselves, how we are aging, our cleanliness. Oops, got some spots there. How we've been doing on that diet and exercise plan. Come on. If we have food in our teeth, uh, thankful for friends that tell me, hey, there's, here, here. Don't walk around with that. But see, we can break the mirror because we don't like what we see, but it doesn't change reality. It's still reflecting it. And so he makes a distinction between the one who glances and the one who gazes. The one who glances and the one who gazes. See, if we just look at the word and read it, help, check, did that today, read my chapter. Come on, young men. All right? No, I want it to read me. I, want, I have to keep looking at it. And you know, in preparing this message, I've probably looked at these scriptures 50 times going, this, Lord, I want this to be real in me. And I make it a reflection. Who I am compared to what you've called me to be. But here's the beauty of it. As we look in that reflection, you see, we've spent our whole lives trying to be or pretending to be someone on the outside who we're not on the inside. But, and see, Paul, as he, even the Apostle Paul, even grew in his understanding of who he was. He starts in the beginning of his ministry, says he's the least of the apostles. Then he says, later on, he's the least of the saints. Then he says later on, he's the chief of sinners. Wait, what? Shouldn't it have been the other way around? No, because as you get closer to the Lord, you realize who you are and who you are not. And who he is in you. And your reliance on him increases. See, if we're not honest, if we're not honest then we miss the opportunity, the gift of repentance. Do you see that? In reflectiveness brings a place for repentance. But it also in reflectiveness brings a place for transformation. Because as we behold with unveiled face, it says in 1 Corinthians 3.18, in a mirror the glory of the Lord, 
We are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. We're being transformed as we're beholding it. And so I keep going back to that word of truth, that reflection, and I'm being transformed. But see, here's, here's, here's how this like looks practically. You hear a sermon on loving your neighbor, right? And you go home and you're trying to do this thing. And your, your sibling, your spouse, fill in the blank, is testing you. And, and your desire's there. Are you with me? And then you realize, and then you fail. Am I the only one? Right? I didn't love them perfectly as I was supposed to in that moment. I, things came out and I wished I was pulling back. Right? You want to rewind. You want to, ooh, an undo like you have on your word, you know, on the computer. Give me an undo. I just said that and now oh, those words are released. I need them to come back. Then you go back to the mirror. Oh, Lord, I missed it. But I still desire it. I still desire to become this. You know, see, if I just glanced at it, I forget it, and I just kind of go on and thinking I've got it and I'm deceived. But if I gaze into it, if I behold it, then there's transformation. That's the kind of look that's in first, 2 Corinthians 3. It's a gaze. It's a beholding. You're changed from glory to glory. And I, I, I'm not there yet, but I'm becoming, and I want to get there. See, there's a desire in me because I've been changed, because I've been delighting in God. He begins to give me the desires of his heart, and I'm transformed to become like him. Christ formation on the inside. And it begins to show and reflect on the outside because I've been spending time in the mirror of his word. Amen. Can you stand to your feet this morning? Hallelujah, Lord. We just thank you for your word. The word of truth. Oh, Father, every one of us in this place, if we're honest, have been better hearers many times than doers. Lord, this morning, by Holy Spirit, I pray you would Give us ears to hear. But I pray that you would bring us a place of slowing down. The pace of life, the chaos, the, we don't get a chance to just slow down and be with you and be silent in your presence and hear your voice and let you speak to those things going on on the inside of us. Lord, we acknowledge we don't always live from a place of truth. Lord, there's things we've believed about ourselves. There's things we've believed about your word, about who you are that aren't right. Lord, I pray this morning by your word you would come and divide asunder, reveal the thoughts and intentions of our heart that you would begin to show us those things.
thank you that you would open up and work in us, Lord. We want to receive your word this morning with meekness, that implanted word that changes us, that transforms us, causes us to be who you've called us to be, Jesus. I just feel this morning if there's any here, we speak of responding to his word, being responsive to his word. And that might just be as simple as saying, hey, I need that. I'm acknowledging, Lord, that I want you to work this in my life. If that's you right now, I just want you to lift your hand right where you're at. I want you to work this in me. Pulling the mask off, Holy Spirit. Help us to see who you've called us to be. Help us to be attentive to your word, Jesus. Help us to receive and be responsive and reflective and live a life aimed at, pressed towards the mark of your high calling, Jesus, to become a life of becoming effective doers of your word, those who reflect in our outside lives who you are. Thank you, Jesus, this morning. Thank you, Holy Spirit. which is just being silent, beholding him. Letting him speak. Pressing mute on all the chaos of life and saying, Lord, speak. Your servant listens. Servant hears. Thank you, Jesus. He says, be still and know that I am God. with you. I'm for you. God's not against you. I will close with this then. There's some things we do need to say. In the persecutions and the trials and the tribulations and everything that we face in life, Romans 8, Paul says this. He goes, what shall we say to these things? When you've been rooted in that place of peace, that place of inner joy that God has for you, you can turn to the outward storms and say, if God be for me, who can be against me? He says, do not worry saying these things. Sometimes our worry causes our tongue to release things that we shouldn't. But I believe tonight, this morning that God is just sowing those seeds of faith in us. They're being sown in us as we open our hearts. And so out of our mouths are going to come a different 
word. We're going to begin to declare what he says. We're not going to declare our opinion, our deceived perspective, but we're going to declare what he says about our situation, what he says about his purpose in our life. Come on. We don't just hear, but we speak his word because when we speak it, it releases it. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Thank you, Lord, for faith being increased. Thank you, Lord, that we're going from glory to glory. We're not the same as we were yesterday. That we're not going to be the same this week. Patterns are beginning to shift. Our lives are beginning to change. We're being conformed to your image, Lord. Thank you. That's what we need to say. The report of the Lord. Praise God. I can have my prayer, our prayer teams come. And just stand up here. And if you need prayer for anything, maybe there's something the Lord's speaking to you about this morning. You need someone to agree with you. There's a situation in your life. There's healing. Physical situation you need healing for. We want to pray with you. Just come up here and, and, and we'll have some folks pray with you. This will be open as we just close here in worship and before the Lord. But I'm believing that God's transformative word is working in our hearts. Amen. Hallelujah. And maybe you're here and you've never been born again. You've never received his salvation. You've never made him Lord of your life. You've never turned from your ways to his ways. If that's you, today's the day. The Bible says it, today is the day of salvation, not tomorrow. Maybe you're online, you're watching this and you're a place of decision. You're like, I don't know. The Lord's saying today, he invites you. His invitation is open to you to receive his gift of salvation. And how do we do that? The Bible says, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you can believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead if you confess with your mouth that he is Lord if you turn from your ways it's that simple you can pray that prayer right now and we'll pray with you but anyone who needs any any prayer this is open this morning for you as we close in worship bless you church I believe the Lord has given me a word of knowledge that there's someone I this could be online it's gonna, this could affect a lot of people, but I, I, I just really believe that there's somebody here present that uh, there's, there's a lot of pain and a lot of hurt that has to do with your marriage relationship. And I don't know the situation. I don't know what's going on, but it has to do with your marriage. And the Lord sees you, and He loves you, and He wants to do a work both in you but also in the situation. But if that's you, I would just encourage you to come and and. Just let us agree with you in faith and, and really release what God's doing. But when he s speaks a word of knowledge, I really believe this is a word of knowledge from the Holy Spirit. When he speaks, man, it's so important. Just tune right into that. Lean into that. Say, yes, Lord, I want to receive whatever you're doing. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it, the answer looks like, but I'll receive that from you. So uh, just just respond to the Lord here if, if that's you. And um, for those who are online, Lord, we just, we just declare, Lord, work in marriages. We, we just declare your work, God, in hearts, broken hearts. Your anointing binds up the brokenhearted. So, Lord, we just thank you, God, and we just release, Lord, your work in their lives right now in Jesus' name. Amen.